Today I'm joined by Jane Rexworthy and Nigel Payne. Executive Director for People First International, Jane is a CIPD qualified senior strategic business development professional with over 20 years experience working within technical vocational education internationally and in the UK and over 15 years in blue chip companies within the private industry sector. Jane has developed the People First International portfolio with projects in over 30 countries and is a passionate advocate of technical and vocational skills development and the importance of transferability of these skills across the world. Nigel Payne is a regular speaker, writer and broadcaster on the topics of development, technology and leadership. Between 2002 and 2006, he headed up the BBC's learning and development operation. Following this, he started his own company, nigelpain.com. He teaches on a doctoral programme at an Ivy League university, has written three books, and shares a weekly podcast with Martin Cousins called From Scratch. Jane and Nigel, thanks so much for joining us here today. So let's start, if we may, by looking at just how has remote delivery of training programs played out in this period? So since the pandemic, lockdowns across the world have changed the way that learning and training has taken place. And for us, where we work in around 40 different countries, we've had to move immediately to delivering all of our learning virtually one of the real benefits in doing that is it's allowed us to deliver with no geographic boundaries. We've been able to bring um, training together from people from different countries. And we've got huge benefits of increased flexibility in the way that we've doing, we're doing that. So, for example, a typical day might have us delivering a training workshop in the morning in Egypt and then later afternoon um, and evening in Mexico. And, and Nigel, you've also had uh, a deep insight into what's been going on internationally in this period. Is there anything that you'd like to add to that in terms of this remote delivery of training? Well, it's just that organisations have had to really turn on a sixpence. And what that's meant is that they've got a lot better at taking risks, making decisions and empowering their staff to just get on with it. That's not only affected learning and development it's affected the whole attitude of the organization and even more fascinating is if you go to countries like australia and new zealand which have been largely untouched by the pandemic and where they have been touched it's largely been hysteria rather than reality they too have made those big shifts and alterations in their training and development perspective i'm working with an organization in new zealand which was 100 percent face-to-face and they are now moving probably to 80% online, not because they had to, but because they saw what was happening in the rest of the world and they saw the kind of advantages that uh, Jane was talking about. So in spite of organisations where the pandemic has hit hard or soft, it seems to me that the impact has been almost universal. Yes. And of course, blended learning was already in the mix. Jane, can I start with you? How has that evolved? What's different now when it comes to blended learning? Well, blended learning in in the past, as in before the pandemic, um, was very much self-learning or face-to-face. 
And so what we see now is a much broader, wider breadth of, of use of technology to enable people to experience learning in a different way. And so some of the things that we've seen and we've put in place ourselves is recorded learning sessions, which means that the learners are able to revisit the content and the conversations and dialogue at a time that's convenient for them. Much more around self-learning study and pre-preparation for the learning, which means that the, the delegates and students, when they come into the learning virtually, they have much more um, uh, sort of understanding of what the content's going to be through the session. And also the ability to deliver in shorter, more modulized um, ways of learning rather than whole days. And that's been much more accommodating, for example, in different time zones, flexible around working patterns, which actually makes it more accessible to a much broader, wider set of individuals looking to improve their skills. Jane, with this change naturally come challenges. Can you expand upon some of the challenges that you've seen in this period when it comes to delivering virtual training internationally? Well, there's, there is something about how an individual prepares themselves to undertake learning behind a desk, you know, not in a, in a room with other people where there's much more interaction. So the social aspects changed. So people also feeling committed to staying within the training. So there are some things that we've done to make sure that people feel included. We use breakout rooms. We use the ability to use chat. We use a variety of different tools to support people to feel part of the session. Nigel, what have you been seeing in terms of some of the challenges that have come through in this period? If we go back to blended learning, the basic philosophy and assumption around blended learning was that you combine elements of face-to-face -face with elements of online. So that's completely thrown out the window. So that what we mean by blended learning is completely different. In terms of content, I've seen some real uh, imaginative solutions to content, creating very, very quickly lots of materials and not putting them through the, the kind of uh, finesse and finish that that normally would have happened. I've seen huge changes in the way that learners are supported. For example, we've now got a kind of WhatsApp culture for learning support, which never existed before. People are using is available rather than uh, using what they would have traditionally made use of. And in terms of response time, we've managed to completely transform the time to meet a need that has been identified because those needs had to be met very, very quickly in terms of meeting meeting uh, contractual obligations to clients if you're training for some other organization or in terms of solving problems for your organization if you're working in-house. So there have been unimaginable challenges, challenges that no one would have put their hand on their heart as being manageable at all a year and a half ago. But given the circumstance, people have come up with the goods. And I think that is changing the face of learning and development forever. It's not going to go back to the way it was because people have learned to be more pragmatic, to accelerate the process of learning and to try to understand the circumstances of their learners and build around those circumstances rather than impose something from outside that may or may not work. So it's been, it's been fascinating to watch it happen, actually. 
And when it comes to training the trainers, Jane, if we could start with you, what are you seeing as some of the key skills required for successfully delivering remote training internationally? So I think it's it's really it's really interesting and building on um, what Nigel's just been saying, it's really important to be really flexible and to deliver and develop content much more quickly and be more innovative in your approach. So one of the things that we've seen as being absolutely critical is firstly understanding the new blended learning. So the different methods of digital delivery, understanding the different um, systems and forms, what's going to work in one country won't necessarily work as well elsewhere. So understanding that, having understanding of netiquette, you know, just what does it mean to run a training session um, with delegates that are all in their, probably in their own homes, undertaking this learning, maybe even in different time zones. So and then the technical orientation, because what we're asking of trainers is not just to uh, present in a classroom as they would normally have done, but to actually have all the tools and everything laid, laid out for them and to be able to use them simultaneously and smoothly and efficiently to enable the students to get the best out of their experience. And then thinking about the different styles that people have and, and identifying different methods to engage um, the individuals. And so in writing the curriculum and the programmes before delivering the training, you have to really think about how is that going to be delivered? How do you make sure it's really interactive? So making the best of the different um, breakout areas that you can use on different systems, using whiteboards, using polls and surveys to make that interaction feel as if you are almost in a classroom setting. So um, those, are, those are some of the skills that we've looked to um, build into two new programs that we're now delivering. One is to give people um, through a short e-learning an opportunity to just understand digital learning, what is online learning. And then we've put for our own trainers and for trainers out there, a very short program on called the Certificate in Virtual Training to support individuals through that whole process of understanding how to use the online platforms, how to deliver in a virtual setting and how to set up um, those systems so that they're going to run in whatever country, etc., that they're going to be delivering in. Thank you very much for that. Nigel, what have you seen in terms of key skills required for successfully delivering remote training internationally? And is there anything in particular with the organisations that you've been working with that you'd like to share regarding this? I think there's a mindset change and that had to occur for that trans transition to operate successfully. And the mindset change is starting, people started often with what I call a translation mindset. In other words, they took a morning's face-to-face -face and turned it into a morning online. They took the PowerPoint slides they would have used face-to-face -face and just delivered them virtually. And the result was tedium boredom and a complete failure to come to terms with what was required. Very quickly, organizations realized that if they wanted to do this, they had to transform the process. 
go back ab initio and start with a blank sheet of paper and say, what are we trying to do? What, what, what skills and competences are we trying to deliver? What are the tools we have available? And how can we do that in an efficient and effective manner? So that where they've done that, there's been some kind of radical readjustment of what it means to learn. For example, if you sit in front of uh, being talked at on a webinar for an hour and a half, you've lost the will to live. It's possibly tolerable in a classroom, but it's certainly not tolerable online. And so therefore, people have varied their delivery from being the person at the front of the stage to being more facilitative, engaging, using as, as we've heard uh, from Jane, using things like whiteboards, breakouts, small group discussions, uh, people holding up answers to questions, uh, people standing and, and presenting mini presentations for 30 seconds, all sorts of ways to keep people laughing, smiling and happy and learning and minimizing the, the, the sheer tedium of sitting in front of a screen for, for too long in your life. So I, I, I think we're going to see some radical new approaches and models emerging from this. And even with training the trainers, only this morning was I talking to an international organization which was saying, well, why do we deliver all our training the training out of the UK and US? Why don't we go to Africa and recruit a whole bunch of people who can build a kind of subset of what we require in Africa? Why don't we go to the Middle East and recruit there? So they're completely knocking into a cocked hat the model that they previously had and looking at a radical new new agenda, really, that will take them forward possibly for the next five years. So it's made people think more deeply about what they're doing and why they're doing it and how they do it. And to me, that's a pretty good thing. Good stuff is going to come out of it, I'm sure, over the next few years. Jane, is there anything that you'd like to add to Nigel's point about where it's all heading and the future of learning? Yes, I think it was a really important point that Nigel made around um, the training network that we have globally. There's a real opportunity to build best practice internationally. And in a way, that's exactly why we've developed our um, virtual training program, so that you can then embed the culture of the countries within that team. So globally, we will be looking for international best practice around training and teaching for the future. Thanks very much, Jane. And so they say that with every challenge comes an opportunity. Uh, Nigel, to conclude, are there any other related opportunities that you can see coming out of all of this? I do. I, I do indeed. Um, for every person who is a trainer uh, delivering, doing their job, there's, there are probably maybe now perhaps two or even three back office people who need to support it. Someone needs to maintain the infrastructure. Somebody needs to prepare desktops and uh, organize the, the software, get resources ready for use by, for delivery. All of these are not entirely new skills, but they're dramatically expanded skills. And where once there was a, a part of a job, there's now a whole career. And, and again, 
you don't have to have those people based in the UK. They could be in the Middle East or Africa or in the Philippines, giving really fantastic support to a group of um, a, a group of teachers and trainers based in other countries. So the whole thing is globalizing rapidly in a way that is very interesting. So I think we'll see a different makeup in terms of who is employed in this industry and also where they're employed and how they're employed. So all up for grabs, everything's changing as we speak, which is absolutely fascinating. <laughs> and so it is. Jane, Nigel, thanks very much for joining me here today. It's a pleasure. Thank you.